0: Ooh! Smells like it's time for another Shy Life Podcast! <laughs> Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three. Good luck studio. Oh, it's the Shy Life Podcast! Maybe some drama heads All I wanted was a pie And then I hatched out to the neck Okay, bring the mic over He's ready to record Hello It's the quiet ones you've got to watch, you know Is it metaphorical? Is it, is it deep? Is it deep? Good play he's had all that shy is right She me, governor It's the Shy Life Podcast Hello, boy. Hello, boy. Hello, I'm Hello good. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Itty. How are you doing? I'm alright. Um, so what's this episode going to be about? Well, it's going to be about one of my poetry books. Uh, one that is sort of ten years old this year. Um, although but it took a little bit longer than some of my books to actually get published I mean, not months or years longer, but I think I kept tweaking it and um, changing it and um, yeah anyway, the book is called Are We There Yeti? Poems and Stories by a shy yeti and uh, it's one of a few books that uh, um, we'll be talking about this year because In 2013, I published two new collections, Are We There Yeti? and then another book which I released around the time of my 40th birthday, at the end of the year. Plus, we have two books this year that are reaching their 20th anniversary, which we haven't talked about. So, yeah. I know I don't read much of my verse on the show anymore, so, yeah. Um, We'll definitely be looking at those, because people have been asking Where's the verse, Shy Yeti? So, yes. Okay, well, let's run that theme music, and when we come back, I'll tell you a bit about Are We There Yeti. Darling, it's the Shy Life podcast. <laughs> yes, well, it's a positive thing for the The Life, the Shy Life. You won't find a cast of characters like this everywhere. Um, I'll, I'll go anywhere for a potato. Delicious. Delicious. Hello, Catherine. You? you quite like a big fan, don't you? No shy Yeti. Oh my, you found out my secret? Yeti yeah, has. I love the Yeti test, it's my favourite thing. If you thought that was bad, just listen to this. Yeah, I, I'm strangely drawn to Yeti, Yeti and Uncle John's ankles as well. <laughs> but has the Shy Life podcast slowed down? I don't think so. Has anyone seen my hot saucy? Eh? It's all green and me Yum, 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 yum. yum. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for it to begin. It's the Shy Life Podcast. <laughs> I like uh, that, yeah. yeah. Marvellous. Marvellous, Paul. Hi there. So, yes, are we there, Yeti? Um, the cover has um, a number of different pictures on. I, I, although I, I feel like this may have been a book that I changed the cover a few times. Um, so there are probably earlier versions. The copy I have in my hand... I think is the the finished version. Um it's actually got lots of bits and pieces in. I think I must have read from this copy before. Um yeah. Um one of the subtitles of this book is Odd Tales from My World Travels. So as well as poems, there are short stories. Um we'll see about whether we cover those or whether I just stick to the poems. There are obviously prose pieces as well, which are shorter. Um a lot of the photos from this book do come from travels I made um, in, in 2011. The, the picture on the front cover, one of them is for me in Hollywoodland, well, in, in a wood in Griffith Park, which has a sign that says Hollywoodland. Um, there's also a picture of me somewhere in Ireland and a picture of me at one of my gigs drinking from a teacup but, uh, um, the back the back cover has a picture of me appearing to eat a cactus and also a picture of me on Mount Hood let me read you the back cover Are We There Yeti contains a hundred poems and stories that Paul Chandler Yeti wrote between July and December 2011, much of it during his summer and autumn trips to the United States the poems include glue to mend a broken heart never trust a skinny fish and chip man invite a yeti round for tea Is It Christmas Already, John I'm Only Rhyming, My Long Lost Friend, and the title verse. Stories include The Creepy Show, A Cup of Sugar, Rattlesnakes, Santa's Bit on the Side, and A Yeti History Lesson of Hollywood. So, yeah, it is very inspired by my trips out there. Um, I didn't have any trips to America in 2012, but I did go back again in 2013. As I say, I can't 100% remember um, why there was such a delay. Um, I'm just looking to the back, actually, and there's a, a, a an alternate cover to this book, um, which I... I can't remember if that's one I sort of decided to... It was a bit too busy, had a bit too many photos. I know it, it must seem a bit strange, listeners, that I don't remember some of these things, but it, but it has been 10 years, and uh, those... Uh, Titles though those poems that I mentioned on the back cover are probably some of my favourites that I ever wrote. And uh, as you know, I've not done a lot of poetry in the last sort of six or seven years, partly because of the podcast and partly because um, I've done I've done very little writing at all really. A few things, of course, I did the book with Nick, and I did a book of scripts, and uh, I, I did a, a book of sort of blogs. Um, pieces of shy yeti but uh, but what with how complicated it became to use Lulu it it definitely put me off and also I did feel I'd written so many poems I wouldn't say that the ones uh, this era were were bad but I think I felt after I had written the two books that came out in 2013 that while I was focusing on my scripts um, I didn't write another book until A Yeti Way of Thinking which I think that was sort of 2016, around the time that the podcast started. So, yeah, it's just that I sort of, I guess I'd come to the end of the line for a while with verse. I mean, I still write scripts sometimes for this podcast. A lot of the second episode of the Bettina Dupre episode at her garden party was scripted, particularly the Adam scenes, because that was quite complex and... You can't expect a guest character to come in and understand everything that's been going on for months on your show. Um, so I, I wrote those because it wouldn't really have worked with improv, although the first episode was improv. The stuff with Toppy and I, but then that was, that was different because Toppy's involved with the show all the time. Um, I did write a poem called Best Bet, which I'm not sure whether you've heard or not, but it's one we turned into the song with Harry that was the first poem or verse that I'd I'd written in, you know, a very long time. And uh, it's still nice to dip in and do lyrics or verse now and again. And I think, as I've said to people, I can see it happening again at some stage. But when I started writing poetry, I wouldn't say I sat down and thought, oh, I'm going to do it. It just happened. And I wrote one, and I wrote another, and then I wrote another. And then I started realising I was going to be writing quite a few. And Ended up putting a book together and dipping into old poems that I'd written when I was at school. And, yeah, you can't plan these things. You can't make them happen. Or if you do, that the outcome isn't going to be great. So, never say never. And, you know, if Harry and I decide to do another song, I'll try and think of a subject. It's just a matter of thinking of a subject that I haven't covered that makes it sound like I you know like I'm writing an encyclopedia of poetry which which isn't the case at all I guess I mean um, you know I want to write about a subject that interests me Um, and I guess I have had some experiences in the last seven years that are different or new experiences that I'd never had before which I could dip into but you know sometimes they feel a bit too personal or a bit too sad Um, not that every poem I wrote or every prose piece I wrote was a bundle of laughs. Some of them were quite dark, but maybe I'm just not in the right place to be uh, mining that. But we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, I'll be there, Yeti? Um, as I say, plenty of photos as usual. How many pages? It's a big one. 368 pages. Now, it says that the contents were written between July and December 2011 was typed and formatted in the first draft by July 2012, and this edition, which is the final edition, was published in February 2013. I did do another compilation um, volume in 2012, Shaiety still Rules Okay. I, I'd done a book in about 2009, 2009, Rules Okay, and... Yeah, then I did you Still was okay. Um, I think I was quite busy with shorter books and other bits and pieces. Um, but I did think the book was going to come out sometime towards the end of 2012, and uh, for whatever reason, it didn't. I was doing my videos around that time as well. I should read you. I should read you some of this and see whether this is interesting. Um, before we continue, I should tell you more about how this book came about. Much of Are We There Yeti was written during two trips I made to the States during 2011, one in late July, early August, and one in November. I visited Los Angeles, Portland, and San Diego, and recorded a number of my Shy Yeti On Location episodes. The American pieces only account for about 50% of the 100 items included here, with the remainder written back in London between those two trips, from August to late November 2011. A few pieces were written during a trip to the Isle of Wight in August 2011 and a long weekend to Lille during October 2011. There were also some short stories such as All Sweetness and Light, Breaking into the Jail and Death Warmed Up that I began in 2010 for potential inclusion in Yitty Hugs and other horrors but which were not finished in time not to mention pieces especially commissioned for a Christmas radio show. 2012 was a busy year with lots of new writing, films, gigs and a little nostalgia. In the end, this is also why this collection did not emerge until spring 2013. I do hope you enjoy this book. Many really thanks for reading it. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I've just seen a typo. God, <sighs> Mistakes still creep in. Well, I don't read my books very often, because I'm always thinking, you know, they hide away these mistakes, even if other people are proofreading them for you. It's, it's frustrating. Before we get to the contents page, I used to always put a, a sort of A favourite poem as a sort of... Well, if you like this one, you might like some of the others. I mean, if you've bought it, it's a bit late, but... The poem that I was always using around this time was The True Light, which was a poem from the early noughties, which is the sort of poem that kicked off me writing poems again. Um, So, uh, the contents of Are We There Yeti? I'll read the titles, I usually do that. Right, here we go. All Sweetness and Light, Amnesia, Apartment 108, An Asylum for Authors, Are We There Yeti, Auntie Astrid, USA Special, Bee Business, Being Stalked by the Hollywood Letters, Best Pants, The Body in the Bog, A Boy's Dream of Flight, Breaking into the Jail, Cactus Heart, Christmas Lights, Cleaning Up Afterwards, Collecting Heartache, Coming Clean, The Confession Box, Creepy Exotic. The Creepy Show, A Cup of Sugar, The Daily Grind, Dear, Dearly Departed, Death Warmed Up, The Dust of Ages, An Inquiring Mind, Excitement in Life, Feeding Time, A Fly on the Wall, The Food of Love, Fruit Baths, glue to Mend a Broken Heart, Good Times Again, A Happy Xmas, Healthy Living, The Hoodies Next Door, How Money Spiders Get Their Name, Husband Potential. The hypocrisy of old age. The ice-creaming abdabs, of Ad-dabs? I don't know. Um, Ink on our hands. In the locker next to mine. In the soup. Invite a Yeti van for tea. Is a toadstool a toad's tool? Is it Christmas already? Jelly baby. Jitters. John Amoni rhyming. L.A. and I get on just fine, thank you. Life isn't always fair. Living in Hollywood. Losing your memory isn't always a bad thing. Minotaurs and Other Everyday Lovers. A trilogy. That was uh, three poems. Never mind the Minotaur. Kraken, you hear me. Cthulhu, you are hot. Uh, Mistletoe mania. A morning yawn. Murdering that song. My long lost friend. Never, never be forgotten. Never trust a skinny fish and chip man. A new book in the family. Nom nom nom. Part of the family. A photo fallen. Rattlesnakes, Rehab for Cannibals, Rich Pickings, Ring Ring, Running Late, Santa's Bit on the Side, A Seat on the Wing, A Sense of Style, The Serial Killer of Little Italy, A Shadow Over La Jolla Cove, The Shame of a Middle-Aged Bonnie and Clyde, So Irritating, Statue Esquire, Status Symbols, Sweaty Yeti, Take Care When Giving Christmas Presents, There Are No Rules, Toast. Too Short to Be a Yeti, A Tragic Demise, Trick or The True Light, Prose Version, Turn and Turn Again, The Unpublished Novel, A Very Shy Psychopath, View from a Fallen Oak, The War Against Red Tape, The Wedding Planner, Weird Wide Web, What Goes Around, The Wrong Pen, A Yeti History Lesson of Hollywood, You're No Friend, Let's Be Enemies, Your New Boyfriend's a Minger. And then, of course, there's the big um, behind-the-scenes section, which we'll come to in a moment. There are one or two pieces in this collection which I dug up from the archives, which were really old pieces. But, uh, yeah. So, the first 237 pages or so is the actual poems. I guess about two pages per item, whether it be... um, a poem and a photo, or I guess some of the short stories were a little bit longer. Um, and then the last 100 or so pages is the behind-the-scenes section. So before I start reading some of the poems, I guess we may plunge in um, to uh, what sort of things were going on. I always gave a list of uh, when the poems were written. and say most of these are from 2011. Then, of course, we have the section, which I I always did, where I wrote a paragraph or more about each poem. I mean, this is as specific as where I was when I was writing the piece or if something inspired it, sort of dates when I was writing it. And, yeah, I've written, you know, half a page, third of a page on each poem. Um... So that takes up, you know, a fair amount of space at the back of the book. Um, With pictures, of course. Um, As I've said before, it was commented when I read uh, my poems in LA that how busy my poetry books were, how packed they were, full of material. I'm not sure that was the typical style of a poetry book, but if you could do it, I didn't see why you shouldn't do it. Plenty of pictures of me, maybe more than um one would wish to see but uh there you go i also included a diary called the shy life which was of course um the name of one of my books from 2009 um so yeah i basically copied over a lot of the text from the blogs um i don't know how interesting it is it depends how deeply i guess you want to know about what i was writing but it's a writing diary for me and I'm okay. glad I've got it because I wouldn't remember these things so for instance from this diary I can tell you that on Tuesday the 2nd of August 2011 I returned to the Cobalt Cafe in LA which no longer exists in a physical form although the um, poetry nights still continue online this is when I sort of was the featured reader of that night and uh, they were very kind to me the uh, Organiser shuffled around some other poets that, so that I could be the featured reader on this particular night, as it was the only. I think I was around for two weeks, but we were going somewhere. They moved things around so that I could uh, I could read on that night. When I did a show, I always sort of did a quite detailed blog of every poem that I read on the night, even the poems that I had intended to read that I didn't. A lot of these shows from this era, I've also had videoed or recorded by. Friends in the audience, so they exist or they're on YouTube, which is another nice memento to have but uh yeah I'm very grateful to Rick um Rick luper who um who organized those nights and still does them to this day that he he uh, did a little shuffling to allow me to to read, of course, when I was writing one book or performing these occasional shows, maybe I'd have a book out and I'd read from that book, but I'd also read some new poems for the next book, or some old poems, some old books. Um, Around 2011, around sort of early autumn 2011, uh, my book book Funeral for a Shoe uh, was the book that uh, I was focusing on. We've done a podcast on that already. But, um, yeah, as early as September 2011... I was previewing things from Are We There Yeti um, on my blog and probably reading those poems uh, at shows if you so wanted. Uh, there's even a list here of the ratings, uh, the, the number of views of my um, Shai Yeti videos as of the 15th of September 2011. I was very obsessed with numbers. It's the most exciting thing um, to see videos going up. Um, my most watched video at this time was actually one of my Sutton Park um revival episodes and my most watched video of um my poetry videos was one of my early ones Shiety on Location in Dorset the videos still get viewed to this day but really in the scale of things compared to the logs that I watch where it's been loaded up for an hour and you look and there's like 20,000 views already I've never had views like that for anything I've ever done. Whether I could have done, um, I don't know. I never really knew that people could make, make a living out of YouTube. I'm not even sure that many of the the people who do YouTube now were even making YouTube videos that far back. Although I was hardly new at it myself. I mean, it had been around for quite a while. I can't remember when YouTube started. Was it mid Mid-noughties, but uh, no, I never really, um, I never really knew about promoting myself. Um, and uh, but I guess a lot of those shady on location videos are a little bit like the sort of travelogue videos that I watch myself now. So in another life, maybe I'd still be doing them. Um, but I also think it's probably a young person's game. Most of the travelogues stations I watch are featuring people who perhaps started off in their late 20s and now in their mid 30s are making a living out of it I I wasn't even starting doing my videos until I was I know in my mid 30s I mean it's all excuses I know that I'm sure there are plenty of people older and younger who who have successful YouTube videos As I say, in another life. I'm a podcaster, man. (laughs) So yeah, around 2011, I was also releasing the 10th anniversary books of um, some of my early collections, like Junk Food. That was hitting its 10th anniversary. Yeah, there are two books from that reissue series that will be out this year, or have been out, depending on when this goes out. I'm talking about things I was up to in October 2011, filming in Lille and Bruges, and uh, out-of-commons books I was writing, books I was reissuing or taking photos for covers, because when I reissued for the 10th anniversary books I added photos, there were never photos in the original versions. Um, It's kind of appropriate that I put the true light at the front of this collection and also did a prose version because during 2011, the True Light hit its 10th anniversary. As I say, it was very, um, you yeah, know sort of influential as far as um, it pushed me on to write more. October 2011, I was doing videos. I was appearing on Radio Way. Uh, of course, I went on. I went on Radio Way with. I went on Radio Way with Tim a few times um, with the video around this time then I think there was a bit of a break again because I had made my first appearance back in the noughties then I had this sort of period when I was making the videos again nice to have that as a memento and then around the time I started the podcast um of course we we did quite a lot of shows with Tim on Radio Way for the podcast so um Tim doesn't really do those shows now so that's why we haven't been on there for a long time he's busy with other projects but um so Yeah, as I say... Um... Funeral for a Shoe came out in November 2011. (laughs) All ratings, um... Of the videos from October. Sutton Park is still number one. (laughs) Uh... I used to do... And... I'm sure it sounds very egotistical. But I used to interview myself on my blog... As to what I was up to. Um... I guess I should do one again. I've not done one for ages. I think it's probably because the podcast is so ongoing. Um, there's always new episodes every few days. So so it's difficult to sort of, you know, stop and look back. Maybe I should at the end of the year. I mean, when I had a book coming out or a show, there was something I could aim for or post about. But, yeah, I used to kind of think of the sort of questions somebody, you would ask somebody... Like, you know, what are you writing? What are you working on? What's the next gig going to be? Where are you travelling to? And I just answered those questions. I thought, well, no one's ever going to do that. No one's ever going to ask me these questions, so I might as well ask them myself. Because just in case somebody is reading the blog, well, here are the answers. Um, you can't wait until other people decide to interview you. And also, yeah, again, it's a snapshot from that time and there are things I just wouldn't remember now if I wanted to talk about them. So I went back to America in November 2011, I did a detailed diary for a blog around that time. Funeral for a Shoe came out in November 2011. I did a show around that time as well, um, which was sort of quite close to my 38th birthday. You're probably wondering why. Why is the diary... So the book's published in 2013. Why is the diary from 2011? Well, I tended to keep the diary from the period that the um, poems sort of came from. Um, um, And as as we've established, there was a bit of a, a delay. But yeah, the gig that I did in November 2011 wasn't for Funeral for a Shoe. It was actually the Junk Food 10th Anniversary gig on the 18th of November 2011 at the Poetry Cafe in London. I started with two Yeti-themed poems. I read two new poems. I read four poems from Junk Food, which was the book we were celebrating. Um, My friend John Smallshaw came in read for a while. I did a cover version of Maxwell's Silver Hammer by the Beatles, a spoken word one. I often did that. I like reading song lyrics as poems. That's one of my favourite Beatles songs. I read more poems from Junk Food. We had a break. I read another Yeti poem. I read more poems from Junk Food. I read some poems from Funeral for a Shoe. John Smallshaw read some more. I read some bits from, from the Vampire Cows of Scunthorpe collection. And then two pieces from Are We There Yeti. And then a couple more from Junk Food. And then I finished with some favourites. My Dog in a Dress, A Learning Experience, The True Extent of My Genius, and I Will Eat Pies. I was back on the radio again in late November. We did a Christmas show, but we we did do it quite early. Um, But I'd done a book, I did a collection around that time of Christmas poems called Too Slushy for Snowmen, which I think we've discussed before. I was able to put videos out from those shows, which was nice. More ratings. (laughs) My highest rated uh, poetry video by this point was A Yeti in Winter I always used to write a Christmas story as well uh, uh, and put that in my blog Santa's bit on the side was my um, Christmas story that year Uh, Actually I think I wrote two from the looks of it I also used to do not very sophisticated posters which were just done on an A4 sheet with a picture, and I laminate them, and um, put them at the poetry cafe, and one or two other places, and I I'd, I'd put them in the back of the book, so that you know when you buy one of my books, it is a complete like memento of that period. Um, with you know, so I did, yeah, Cheyette's junk food. In November uh, I also did a little section in this book about Anything Goes which was my first book of poems that I released back in 1992 which I didn't even remember releasing um, a lot of the best bits from Anything Goes I put into junk food but uh, I thought it was important to sort of mentioned that because I'd forgotten part of my own writing history effectively um, I also had some little adverts for friends creative works a friend Gibson's cartoon series another friend's business which was illustrations and uh, yeah I think it's time for me to read some bits and pieces from this book now at last I hear you cry yeah we're only 30 minutes plus in but there we go um where shall i start well i probably will go for the shorter pieces there are short stories and yes maybe one day i should read some of those but i will probably either focus on the shorter prose pieces or the poems although the book the first i don't know the first 20 pages are about two or three short stories um Probably ought to start with the poem that this book is named after. Are we there Yeti? are we going too fast there's no way that the picnic you brought us will last there's no way our provisions will last us a week you've been scoffing the lot which i think's quite a cheek you've been scoffing them down when you think we're not looking so i guess that tonight it'll be you who is cooking are we there yet or have you got us all lost traveling with a yeti sure comes at a cost are we there yeti are we going too quick shooting off down the hill it will make us all sick it will shake up our stomachs. It will make us all spew. If you're going to drive, you can't drink special brew. If you're driving us there, you, you must pay more attention. Or you're going to meet with a lot of dissension. Are we there yet? What will you say when we are? We should have taken the coach, not this old bumper car. I'll be there yet. Are we flying at speed? You have found a good book you are trying to read. You can't read a book or paint portraits unsightly. You cannot stand on your head. No, nor close your eyes tightly. We can't stand for such tosh. You're not treating us fairly. Keep your eyes on the road, because you're doing so rarely. Are we there, Yeti? Shut your mouth and don't talk. Yes, be seen and not heard, or just get out and walk. Are we there, Yeti, or are we right off the chart? I'm not sure that I like what you do for your art. I'm not sure that I care for your lunatic vision, for your experimentation, and our quite cramped position. You've locked us all in the boot of your beaten-up buggy because we nagged you so much. But, my dear, it's so muggy. Are we there yet? Or have we just lost our way? We could drive off a cliff, but you'd still claim we're okay. One of many Yeti poems that I've written over the years. Uh, and just <laughs> just a play on words, really. Um, I would read you some Auntie Astrid but um, Auntie Astrid was a character that uh, started off in Mouse of Commons books and uh, my friend Gareth and I, we'd take turns he'd either write the original letter or do the reply and uh, we used to use them in Mouse of Commons books and I did put some of them in my collections and I think that if I was including them here it would mean that they're all ones I wrote maybe it's at the stage where Um, Yeah, I was writing both letter and response But I'm not 100% sure So I think I will move on Some of the stories here are Breaking into the Jail That's about 10 pages I should read you Cactus Heart She's something else, not what she seems She slept her way round football teams She's had them knocking at her door Then kept a tally of her score A pretty sight that must be seen With grand ambitions to be queen. She's quite adorable at the start. Just don't be tricked. That girl, she has a cactus heart. She's something else. You'll see I'm right. Don't be fooled because she wears clothes tight. She's on a mission. That mission's you. She's just waiting for the perfect cue. She'll tell you all we want to hear. She'll play it shy or shed a tear. She knows her place and plays her part. But do beware that girl, she has a cactus heart. She's something else, you ought to know. She's cruel when she puts on a show. She's kind of shy, it's just a hunch. She packs a quite ferocious punch. And yet she does so with a smile, with charm and grace and utter style. She's quite a lady, quite a tart, quite in control. That girl, she has a cactus heart. She's something else, though not ideal. She can't be trusted behind the wheel. She's working as a hired gun. That kind of thing to her is fun. She's got a mean vindictive streak. Wait till you see her twisted peak. She's an expert with a poisoned dart. My darling wife, my beloved, with the cactus heart. And I think that's the case of a poem that was written mainly because when I was in LA and we went to Topanka Canyon, you saw a lot of those prickly cactus that were sort of heart shaped. And I took some really good pictures and I thought I've got to write a poem called Cactus Heart. And later I did a sort of, well, around this time, I suppose, I did a collection of um, sort of romance, romantic or twisted romance poems, just a compilation that was called Cactus Heart. Obviously, Cactus Heart was in that collection. I think it appeared in the compilation before it appeared in this book, even though it was written for this book But uh, the compilation overtook the publishing of this collection. Um, Yeah, I really did think uh, uh, this this picture of a cactus that looks like a heart, it has to be on the front cover of a book. So I specifically did a compilation just so that could happen. This one's called Christmas Lights. I know it's not the right time of year, but uh, Christmas Lights. I know that when I was just a sapling, things weren't quite right. The decorations that they gave me were a little under par. The lights that they dressed me up in were ones that had been stuffed into a box five years before and left forgotten in the attic. A lot of the bulbs were duff and only gave out a quite weak glow. I was lost amongst all the other festivities in the corner of a lonely room. That year I was barely noticed, but every year since I've grown, now I have new tinsel, a few really fancy baubles, and as for my lights, one by one they have been replaced. I shine well now. Up there, as bright as any star, and I'm confident that I will only get brighter. Watch me, you'll see. One day soon, you'll have to wear sunglasses just to look at me. As bright as moon glow, a spotlight, a lighthouse, and I'll say, Follow me. Are you lost? Let me save you. Let me show you the way home. Let me keep you safe. If I promise not to run up too large an electricity bill, can we be housemates? I'm not sure that Christmas tree. Would be getting a lot of use these days, sadly. Uh, Although, considering the current energy crisis, when I recently went to the hospital for an appointment, um, I had to get a taxi, and my appointment was like quite late in the afternoon and it was dark. um, You certainly wouldn't have thought there was an electricity crisis because um, every house, you know, the whole route was lit up. So many Christmas decorations outside houses alone inside, so I guess this is relatively quite a, a well-off area. Oh, there's even a picture here of me outside the phone box in my parents' village. Um, so that, yeah, that phone box uh, has been used as a recycling point for uh, well over 10 years now. Um, yeah, quite a lot of stories um, going through. The creepy show, a cup of sugar... They're not long stories, but they're two or three pages. The Daily Grind, Dear, Dearly Departed, Death Warmed Up. That's a story. This one's called The Dust of Ages. Anita had worked in the college library for many years. Her former students always seemed to recognise her, though. Oh, my dear, you still work here? Anita would smile and nod. Yes, yes, it's been a long time now. But you don't look a day older. She didn't either, but they always did. Anita remembered every one of them, each and every reader. She recalled them as undergraduates in their early twenties, but the earliest of those were now nearing retirement, were wrinkled and or balding. And that was just the women. You look just the same, they'd say, at first casually, and then with surprise, when it hit them quite how long it had been. You look exactly the same. They would never truly understand the full implications, of course, and it just wasn't worth explaining. This was Anita's own little secret. It was the dust of ages collected in the library books that did it. When the library closed, she would select a few of the oldest texts and sniff the dust, rather like someone taking snuff or something stronger. It made her cough, but it was worth it. It really did the trick. And best of all, it kept her young. Anita had been the college librarian for a little over a hundred and seventy-five years now, and she had no intention of retiring anytime soon um my boss at the college library for about 10 years or more was called anita and sadly she did retire or she moved on to another library um i think the year following um when i wrote this uh, i really should have left that college when she left because she was such a good boss and so supportive and the people who followed her just weren't as experienced as her, um, sadly. So when they came to attack the library, um, yeah, they weren't up to the job of standing up for it. Anyway, that's a long time ago now. Um, yes, more more shortish prose pieces. Um, the Food of Love, Fruit Bats. There's a picture, Well, when I read at the Cobalt Cafe, Rick used to do like a cover sheet which had one of the poems that the person would be reading and everyone would get a copy like a poster and then if they wanted it signed you could sign it it was really nice i chose a piece called a learning experience from one of my early books which is actually a prose piece really, rather than a poem but uh, okay let's do this one glue to mend a broken heart it says to be read slightly melodramatically or maybe not it's up to you Give me sympathy and sanity, a glass of Chardonnay. Let me sit and think about the times you let me have my way. Let me contemplate about those nights you promised to be mine, before our love grew complicated, before it died upon the vine. Give me reason to think fondly of that foolish, wasteful year, or should I wipe it from my mind, just let it quickly disappear? Give me glue to mend my broken heart, leave me lonely, please don't speak. "'Give me words on which to rest my head, to cling to when I'm weak. "'Give me solace, give me silence, give me whiskey. serve it neat. "'Loving you is an experience I would rather not repeat. "'Except, you know, I'm really lying, and if the chance would come again, oh, I would put up with the torment and just forget you caused me pain. "'Give me reason to think kindly, not remember all the lies. "'I should have kept my love on ice, I should have been more worldly wise. "'Give me glue to mend my broken heart, seems for now there is no feeling.' My poor heart remains too numb and doesn't yet feel like it's healing. Give me passion, give me violence, give me vodka on the rocks. Then set free my love for you that is as strong as any ox. So you feel nothing for me now and our relationship is strained. You cannot keep a love like that, so meanly trapped, cruelly contained. Give me reason not to hate you for all the mind games that you played. Make it clear you didn't want me and don't regret you never stayed. Give me glue to mend my broken heart and I shall repair it piece by piece. But why now do I feel so bitter, since I am offered sweet release? The Hypocrisy of Old Age I'm an old dude now. I get to be cranky, I get to say whatever I want, though it is also your right to ignore me. I know that my views still get to you. Deep down, despite your devil care attitude, it registers, whether you admit it or not, whether those views of mine are really, actually, my views or not. I like to say them anyhow to get a reaction. It is part of the hypocrisy of getting older. I can say stuff that I don't actually believe in, and that shames you in some way, perhaps. Downright lie. I'm an old dude now, and you don't know any better. When I was your age, they had us working down the pit, cleaning out chimneys with our bare hands, with our tongues. We were proud to fight for our country. It made men of us, whatever that actually means. Kids these days don't know they're born. They don't know how easy they've got it. When I was six, I was manning my own tank across enemy lines. When I was ten, I single-handedly saved a whole city from certain death and led them to safety across mountain wildernesses without a map. Kids these days don't know any better. Part of them wisely don't believe me, nor care. But the other part secretly does, just in case, not liking to be wrong. That part says, he's an old dude. Old dudes don't lie, because they're old. Old. He must actually have done everything that he claims. It makes them feel that little more useless about their own sorry lives. Which, in turn, makes me feel a little better about mine. They allow me to spout out my nonsense, my cranky hypocrisy, despite none of it being true, despite none of it actually happening, except the one or two bits that really did. I was no more a veteran of war than your pet dog was. I no more believe any of that stuff than your pet cat does. I spent my youth smoking, drinking, chasing pretty girls and handsome men, or at least trying to. Just like you do. We have more in common than you ever realise. But I'm an old dude, and I want you to know how much harder I had it. Just to screw with your mind, like people once did to me. Consider it a free service. Your turn will come all too soon. There's a typo here, Deals. Deals is here. There's a typo here. Oh, so annoying. I used to say that uh, because um, because I uh, read a lot of these poems live, that more than once that I was sort of proofing them. But uh, Deals, Deals doesn't want me to read. Ow, you're putting your claws in my hand, Okay, uh, You don't want me to read. That's going to be a problem, Dealsy. Uh, I see another typo as well. I can't see... Why are you not in one of these books, Deals? Hey, You were around. More stories. Um, you're going to sit down rather than than stand? There. This one's called Invite a Yeti Round for Tea. Invite a Yeti Round for Tea. Well, then I really ought to warn you. They're not the bestest guests. And they will very often scorn you. They will criticise your curtains, flick their peas across the table... Watch them growl the national anthem just as loud as they are able. They will turn their noses up at any vegetables you're cooking. They will make a pass at Granny when they think that no one's looking. As they blunder round your kitchen, eight foot tall and rather burly. You will not keep the carpets clean, nor send them home, it's far too early. Invite a Yeti round for tea when it will be your tragic loss. Because they will not bring a gift, because they do not give a toss. Because they threaten to be trouble and your chandeliers are shaking. They're oh so turbulent giving, and yet excel when it comes to taking. Molting fur around your lounge, oh, a tornado would be cheaper. A decent cleaner costs a lot, you'll need a heavy-duty sweeper. Yet to eat you out of house and home, they really cost a flipping packet. With their flatulent announcements, make such a burping belching racket. Invite a Yeti round for tea and you do so at your error. They will turn your toupee white and fill your bank account with terror. You may berate your local yobbo for antisocial ways of living, but after time spent with a yeti, you may be rather more forgiving. You might prefer a hooligan with all his noisy, rampant boozing than a yeti on the loose, for it's your sanity you're losing. As they oaf about the place, no, you will not find them entrancing. They'll leave depressions in your patio when they start their yeti dancing. Invite a yeti round for tea and you do so at your peril. They can be undignified, they can be absolutely feral. It's quite a shock when first it happens, you might need a quick lie down. But I suggest you just relax and don your finest evening gown. Yes, indeed, for I'd advise that you embrace their clumsy action. And over time, maybe you'll find a certain furry assed attraction. It's just no fun to watch them play, their scoffing cake with all the bears. You need to join their crumb-drenched chaos. Yes, then get invited round. theirs. The next two are two of my favourites in this book and and they're next to one another in the book. This is, is a toadstool a toad's tool? As a country boy I have a question. It may be a ludicrous suggestion, but I need to ask. Don't make me wait. I must be certain, so set me straight. Is a toadstool a toad's tool? Do they use a toadstool as a seat? Do they use a toadstool as a hairpin? Do they use a toadstool to make heat? Do they use a toadstool as a dummy, just to silence all frogs when they croak? Does a toadstool have multiple uses? Is a toadstool a thing you can smoke? Oh, this country boy still has his question. I know, a ludicrous suggestion. But I'm quite sincere, sir, not a chancer. So please, tell me now if you know the answer. Is a toadstool a toad's tool? Do they use a toadstool as a coat? Do they use a toadstool as a hat-stand? Do they use a toadstool as a boat? Do they use a toadstool as a brolly when the clouds rudely spill out their rain? Will a toadstool save us from extinction? Tell me quick and I'll surely refrain. Naive country boy, I had a question. It was a ludicrous suggestion. for I Five money on it and I guessed it's so. But I'm dead broke now. Hell, the answer's no. This one's called... Is it Christmas already? Yes, I'm sorry, another... Christmas poem but it's kind of about how Christmas encroaches far too early um, like last year we were seeing Christmas adverts and Christmas things in the shops in September absolutely ridiculous if I had my way the year would end after my birthday in November um, is it Christmas already is it Christmas already well I've not got a hat I'm sitting in shorts on the beach I'm sat I've not had a mince pie nor had even a card I've not bought any presents, nor had spuds that are charred. I've not seen any tinsel, I've not got me a tree. I've not seen Santa Claus, nor sat there on his knee. I don't want to sound mean, because that's simply the worst. Ain't it a bit early for Christmas, on October the 1st? Is it Christmas already? I've not seen any snow, no novelty baubles, nor noses that glow. I've not had any sprouts that are solid and steely, nor felt wandering hands being all touchy-feely. I've not heard any carols, oh so tuneless and cloying, "'I have not seen any ice, oh so very annoying. "'I don't want to sound cross, but it ain't yet December. "'It's just rather early for Christmas at the start of September. "'Is it Christmas already? Well, I've not felt any frost. "'In my sweet little tootsies and no toes have I lost. "'The leaves on the trees only opened last week. or the roses are blooming, and they're looking quite chic. "'I have Easter eggs yet to eat, feel a little bit sick. "'It is still only May. It's too soon for St Nick.' I don't want to sound strict or be really unpleasant, but this year I've banned Christmas, though I still want a present. Uh, Another favourite. Now, this is called John I'm Only Rhyming, which is a play on a Bowie song, John I'm Only Dancing. But around this time, I never experienced this from listeners, but occasionally from poets, poets who didn't like people using rhyme, which... I really enjoy using. I mean, you have to work at it. You can't just write the first thing that comes down. Or you can, but it doesn't necessarily come out well. But uh, John Smallshaw, um, who I did my shows with, he also did a lot of rhyming. So, yeah. um, This is a poem about sort of standing up for people who want to use rhyme in poetry, which I still hear a lot of people kind of almost look dumbfounded when... asked to describe a poem they always say oh well it rhymes doesn't it um not necessarily anyway john i'm only rhyming john i'm only rhyming i can hear some people tut they don't want our twisted lyrics i think they're going off their nut why do they have to be so boring who says it's them that sets the rules it's like they're our poetry headmasters and we're enrolled within their schools i'm not averse to ditching rhymes if what i'm writing doesn't fit They're all so stuck in their own ways I think they must have shares in prit. Oh, John, I'm only rhyming, and now I don't mean to impose. But ain't it best to be free-thinking and just write down whatever flows? John, I'm only rhyming, but I see it as a gift. While some other people grumble, I really think they're pretty miffed. I cannot fathom why they worry, why they make their weak protest. Do they really think they're better? Do they really think they're blessed? That's the sort of attitude that makes folk think they're high and mighty, We want them reading us at breakfast over croissants in their 90s. Oh, John, I'm only rhyming. Guess we should start our own campaign. Let us stand up for the rhymers. We've really got to make it plain. John, I'm only rhyming. Am I not a proper poet? Do I have to be pretentious? Have I failed? Heck, did I blow it? Do I really have to mean it? Do I need to get more tougher? Do I have to fight the good fight? Do I really have to suffer? Yes, the most eccentric stanzas into poems should be smuggled. I simply want to play with words. The English language should be juggled. John, I'm only rhyming. Don't you agree? It's quite beguiling. I only want to make em chuckle. I simply want to keep folks smiling. John, I'm only rhyming, and it's what I'll keep on doing. Oh, let the academics scowl. Oh, let them say we've gone to ruin. Yes, let them claim we're an abhorrence. Let them give us a bad name. Why do we ever want to be like them? Why would we ever want to be the same? They're like the bullies in the schoolyard. Well, let them bugger off, go hang, and we will do just as we please. Yes, form some crazy rhymers, gang. Oh, John, I'm only rhyming. Let's flaunt our lyrical defiance and keep on doing what we do. You know, it's hardly rocket science. Yes, uh, that's also about just enjoying playing with words and having fun with them and, why does it have to be serious? And, you know, if you're writing a funny piece, then rhyme is often a really good tool. Um, anyway, I used to read that one a lot at shows. People used to like that one. This one is a prose piece. Um, it's called LA and I Get On Just Fine, Thank You. LA and I Get On Just Fine, Thank You. I decided to meet her on my terms, to treat her like an old friend, rather than some monstrous dominatrix. I may have confused her for a moment by not wanting to sleep with her. She's used to folk just lying back and saying, I'm yours, chew me up and spit me back out if you have to, I don't care. That whole Hollywood experience is all very well, but it's not me. But sure, I showed up and we flirted. We were both a little wary at first, but I think Anne saw that I was different. She seemed to like me almost immediately. Showed me her secrets, the best places to eat, the sights to see. She wanted me to sample her at her finest. I played along. It was fun. She knew I didn't plan to take anything from her, wasn't demanding anything. That ultimately she had no hold over me and that I had no hold on her. She offered me everything and nothing, just in case I had second thoughts. I saw that, admired her for it, but turned her down graciously. I want no lasting part of that. I was respectful. No overexcited tourist. L.A. and I had a deal going. We understood one another. Not exactly a holiday romance, neither some shy business arrangement, maybe somewhere in between. But now, further on down the road, we're just old friends who never call. But that is exactly how it should be. There's a picture on that poem of a cow wearing big sunglasses. I think it was a statue or something. Um, Now, let me explain that poem. Uh, I wrote quite a few poems, one about Paris, one about Florence, where I was sort of talking about them like they were people. I remember going to Florence in 2002 and I started writing poems and I thought, oh, I'm going to go to Italy. Um, I'm going to write wonderful poems inspired by Italy. And I wrote a couple of poems and I wrote a surreal poem about running away with Florence like she was a girlfriend or marrying her. And And, you know, it could have been about any city. It wasn't anything particularly unique to Florence, but it 's one of my favorites it 's called oh Florence and it started a bit of a tradition about writing about cities like they were lovers or ex lovers Now the one about l a it's kind of how I thought about l a you heard about people going to America to get their to seek their fortune or to do auditions and um, i I thought well that's ridiculous. I mean you can get something from a city without turning yourself into a nervous wreck. I mean, not that going to Hollywood or, or you know, I, would, I went to Hollywood. I went to Hollywood quite a few times. I, I stayed in Hollywood. <laughs> my friend lived in Hollywood. Um, I like that sort of turn of phrase and just sort of thinking, I can go to Hollywood or to LA and make my videos, write my poems, go to gigs, do it on my terms. I'm not there to make money or become famous. But, you could go to somewhere like Hollywood and not be in total awe of it. You can kinda of think, What can I get from here? Oh right, there's there's Griffith Park. Oh there's this view. That would be good for the video. I do this, I do that. No money exchanging hands. Um you can have a, a good fun creative time and you can come away with yeah, sort of well that was fun. <laughs> so sometimes I like to tease people and go, Oh yeah, when I was in Hollywood l- just it's such a silly phrase um people make a a career out of it but that was never my intention i like to think of my time in hollywood which is quite different from um many people's time in hollywood uh but completely successful (laughs) um i must find the original photos of some of these i must go through some old drives because I'm in danger of losing the original photos. They're in the books, but uh, I guess some of them might be on Facebook. Um, I really should have. I really should have a look. Uh, right, what else have we got? There's a longer story here called "Living in Hollywood," otherwise known as "Cheap Places to Stay in LA." Oh, Minotaur's and Other Everyday Lovers, a trilogy. I can't ever read all three of these, but. Maybe I will read all the three of them, but I'll just read, never mind the minor all now, and I'll read the other two after the end credits. <laughs> Never mind the Minotaur, you'll never see things eye to eye, he'll never take you out for lunch, he's simply not that kind of guy, you'll never make him compromise, he's not a foe you'll be defeating, if you suggest a game of chess he's just the type to win by cheating, he's not the sort who will concede, he has another kind of talent, more likely kick you in the ribs than try attempting to be gallant, you will not reason with this chap, sit in his ways from dusk till dawn, you'll get the sharp end of his tongue and then the sharp end of his horn. Never mind the minor tour. I fear you'll always disagree, but if you feel you must confront him, just don't come crying back to me. He's got the manners of a bull, one who is clearly hopping mad. His music tastes are deadly dull, and can be best described as trad. Oh, why must you wind him up, when you can never be the winner? No, you will never see him smile, because he's simply not a grinner. He's simply not the sort with whom you'll ever get to wiggle. Why do you try to tell him jokes, for he will never ever giggle? Never mind the Minotaur, I'm fearing matters soon will worsen, and any goodwill I achieved, you very quickly are reversing. I implore you to ignore him, instead you stand there simply mocking. You've no chemistry at all, It's, it's his biology you're clocking. You are a man, he is a beast, you really love your partner's moody, tall dark and handsome with a horn, with inclinations to get nudie. Oh wow, come on, you're clearly loopy, this monster's right out of your league. You could downgrade and date a troll, but now you're thriving on the intrigue. Never mind the Minotaur. Please cast him right out of your head. You're never gonna make him swoon. You'll never get him into bed. You'll only end up badly skewered, in your crown jewels, sadly speared. And you will never be the same. My God, you're both completely weird. I cannot see this ending well. I really wish you wouldn't stare. With your intimidating leer, it's hard to watch. Oh, I despair. The sexual tension's really mounting. Oh, you've both got quite a nerve. I think you two were meant to be. You've met the match you both deserve. My long-lost friend, oh, my long-lost friend, I've not seen you in years. I miss you quite sadly. I was even in tears. I was often heard sobbing by my folks in my street, but my life has improved since we since we did once again meet. You have changed that's for sure. there is no use ignoring. I just try not to notice. I wouldn't say you were boring. You're my long-lost friend. I don't listen to rumour. I like telling you jokes, but you have no sense of humour. Oh, my long-lost friend, I've not seen you in ages. You were once in the news on the very front pages. You were a little well-known for a play you were in. Now you cannot stop talking about how God made you thin. It's a tiny bit like you're trying to convert me. Your tales of the war do not really divert me. You're my long-lost friend, it was so good to see you, but I'm really quite glad that I don't have to be you. Oh, my long-lost friend, I've not seen you forever. You suggested a night out, and I'm not known to say never. "'but then we went out bell-ringing. "'Which, well, didn't impress. "'I thought we'd play merry hell, but instead we played chess. "'What about karaoke? "'It's not exactly my scene, but you were once such a rebel. "'Now you're losing your sheen. "'You're my long-lost friend, and on good terms with fame. "'I was expecting a wildcat. "'You're just a tormo so tame. "'Oh, my long-lost friend, you are so hard to find.' All those years never called and I tried not to mind. All those years never wrote. You just had so much to do. So many pies left to eat. So many guys still to screw. I don't want to condemn your quite thoughtless behaviour. Because since I met you again, I think you did me a favour. You're my long-lost friend. I don't want to abuse you. But with a, a little good fortune, I might even relose lose you. That's kind of inspired, sort of, by... Well, I remember um, Friends for United sort of before Facebook when you were able to sort of get in contact with people um, that you'd lost touch with. I got in contact with one friend who, yeah, I soon realised we didn't really have anything in common anymore and and we tried to do creative stuff together and it was all on his terms and, yeah, it uh, it didn't work out so I sort of backed out of that one. He made me feel like it was a, a privilege to somehow still be friends with him um, and really, uh yeah, <laughs> never mind. This one's called Never Never Be Forgotten. The room where she once sat now feels so empty, but she will never, never be forgotten. Her laugh, her smile, everything about her, everything that reminds you of her, the way she held your hand when small and showed you across the road, kept you safe. Every day as you grew, you won't forget this. The family photos upon the wall tell only half the story. You were privileged enough to be there for those occasions. Sitting in silence now, you can recall so many times the good and bad days of life, but it is the happy times that will last. Remember all those moments and treasure every one, every one. The house where she once lived now feels so empty, but she will never, never be forgotten. This one's called. Never trust a skinny fish and chip man. Never trust a skinny fish and chip man. He should be six foot four, his muscles hard. His face should be a rosy colored red too, and his arteries hold blood that's made of lard. But never trust a skinny fish and chip man, cause you never know what he might have in store. No, you never know where he has stuck his sausage. If you see him eating salad, call the law. There's something odd about a skinny fish and chip man. He may batter you until you're black and blue he may wee into your mushy pea container well that's not a thing that anyone should do so please do beware of skinny fish and chip man he may worship you just like you are a god but just be sure you realize when he snogs you that all the time he make believes he's kissing cod it's true this one's called a new book in the family i brought him home for the first time today having selected him "'from amongst a whole shelf of second-hand books "'in a Red Cross shop on Ebury Street. "'Quite the proud adoptive father I was, "'showing him off around the office to admiring ooze. "'A hardback, eh? That's a nice one. "'What a gorgeous cover.' "'It was, too, but I was bound to think that. "'I took him home on the bus that night, "'safely ensconced in my briefcase. "'I guess I was feeling a little overprotective. "'Didn't want other people oogling him.' reaching out and trying to turn his pages, but I kept away from the eyes of trying commuters. Once home, I promised him support and apologised for how messy my place was, assuring him that I would never read him in the bath. That first night I slept with him under my pillow, tempted to read a page or two, but no, he'd had a busy day. In the morning, I told him, I'll introduce you to all the other books in my library, to your new family. But now, in the light of day, I realise that I can't. I can't bear to let him go just yet And so we snuggle up and I switch off the alarm These moments are precious Who says they ever need end There is no doubt in my mind That some books are just more precious than others And this book Well, he's exactly One of those Hmm. We've got a couple more um, And then we're going to have to finish I'm afraid Um, Although there'll be a couple more of the monster poems After we finish This one's called Too Short to be a Yeti Too short to be a yeti, far too tall to be a bear, too well known to be described as anything remotely rare. You really do defy description. What on earth should you be called? You're pretty furry, that's for certain. They surely cannot call you bald. It's just not easy to define you. Do you ever purr or bark? Well, if you've ever seen the light, you left us rudely in the dark. Oh, you're too short to be a yeti. Yes, I read that on a blog. You're far too tall to be a bear, too badly trained to be a dog. Too short to be a yeti, far too tall to be a frog. You are not a handsome prince in need of some quick mercy snog. You really are quite the enigma. You are a question to be solved. A witty Christmas cracker query that really needs to be resolved. A secret veiled in mystery, the sort that makes most people gape. Almost invisible to the eye, yes dear, and quite the queerest shape. You are too short to be a yeti, but you've surely got a yeti's growl. You're too tall to be a frog and you are not a guinea-fowl. Too short to be a yeti, far too tall to be a sprite, far too nice to be a villain, you are brought up too polite. What, you are still a conundrum, I'm embarrassed to confess. Might you be the Loch Ness Monster? I'm just too bamboozled now to guess. Could you be the next top model, or the cure for something grim? Far too unruly for the grannies, yet with a smile so very prim oh you're too short to be a yeti could it be that you have shrunk you're far too tall to be a sprite but you are mine what a hunk I'm sorry I've not been able to read any of the sort of stories they're just a little bit too long really Um, but uh, I was trying to find something that was sort of positive to end on but um, again I couldn't find one either so we're going to finish on you're no friend, let's be enemies. You're no friend, let's be enemies. I really think it's for the best. I really think you would prefer it, so it is what I would suggest. You really like to put the boot in, no need to go behind my back. No, simply set my face. Yeah, I'm equipped to take the flack. I have a few barbed words for you, dear, so I'm going to get them ready. You never could commit to me, and now as foes we're going steady. It's a relationship to cherish, There's no need for us to wait so if we can't be perfect lovers let's bond instead in hate you're no friend let's be enemies i really think that way will work insulting one another freely i think would really raise a smirk because it's good to get the bite out really make your feelings known hey you are always such a liar i'm just surprised your nose ain't grown it will be good to speak your mind now but to hear the truth may be a shock We always thought you were a big boy, but all the time was just a sock. It's really better, to be honest. It is a trait today quite rare. To say you really make me sick, well, in a way, it shows I care. You're no friend. Let's be enemies. I really think that makes more sense. It's always better to be open. Best not to sit upon the fence. For to be polite means nothing, if the truth remains concealed. So please, just say what you're thinking. and it will be gloriously revealed. There's no need for us to fight, though. I know eventually you'll see that you're a rogue and I am perfect. Think on, I'm sure you will agree. Ah, Once upon a time I loved you, but now your ego just grows bigger. Now my enemy, you're in my sights. Oh, but I just cannot pull the trigger. Dear, oh dear. (laughs) So that's Are We There Yeti? At least some of my favourite pieces from Are We There Yeti. Um, As I say, I have to come back maybe and read the odd story at some later date. But uh, I hope you enjoyed those. But that is all we've got time for. Join us again soon. We've got plenty of episodes in the can. And we've got more poetry episodes coming later in the year as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll say goodbye. And, uh, yeah, a couple more monster poems to finish off with. But, uh, okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. We were so much in love. I had your name there embossed, on my arm, on my leg, tattooed proud to be read, tattooed proud on my buttock, also there on my head. Can you hear when I call you? Won't you please reconsider? You can raffle me off to some considerate bidder. All I want is one night, oh, you eight-legged charmer, snuggled up on your sofa amongst your tentacled armour. Kraken, can you hear me? Whenever you've gone marauding, bet they love you out there, but they're loudly applauding you monsters have got it you are so supremely appealing the hearts of fair maidens you're always quite deftly stealing can't you hear what i call you do you even remember me and you only dated the once two years last november but you left quite a mark on me in that way that you do lesser kiss more nibble in fact you started to chew Clarken, can you hear me it's quite difficult coping i know you've left me for good and there is no use in hoping your splendid return as you float in just waving or your arms in the air such sweet daydreams I'm saving don't you hear when I call you giant squid are so boring should I shout really loud then you'll still be ignoring there's no use to me trying every manner of voodoo so now I'll just get a new love and let his name be Cthulhu definitely time to come home now wow really no I'm kidding goodbye goodbye goodbye. <laughs> goodbye 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 this show is part of the pride 48 network find more shows over at pride48.com oh dear <laughs> what's going on now oh it's the shy life podcast let's go I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univaspods.net. Cthulhu, you are hot. Cthulhu, you are hot. You're really just the bestest. I beg you, take control of me, because I just want to be infested with your weird endearing strangeness. I rather fancy going nuts. I won't you rage beneath the surf. Don't want excuses, please no buts. You've got a mad glint in your eye. Yes, which infers you're quite lally, quite demented, so unstable, yet I still hope we can be pally. An aphrodisiac you are, but there is surely no denying. Monster, let's go for a drink and let me promise you I'm buying. Cthulhu, you are hot. You're really rather wicked. Now I don't want to sound obsessed or like some kind of lovesick dickhead. But you really make me melt. I see you rising from the ocean. It really gives me quite a thrill. It really fills me with emotion. It really makes me sort of weak. It rather makes me like a rock. I want to whisper naughty words and my intention is to shock. I really don't plan to escape. I know you'll never let me go. My lovely monster, I am yours. I will not accept a no. Cthulhu, you are hot. You're really quite a horror I so adore your evil ways Just grab me roughly by the collar Please hide me in your secret lair That's hidden deep inside a wave oh, You're quite the sexy beast And I will gladly be your slave With your horny scaly body And with your ravenous demeanour I will do anything you ask I'll even use a vacuum cleaner I'll even cook you Sunday lunch Whilst you sleep in beneath the sea Snoring loud amongst the whelks Oh, be my monster, marry me Cthulhu, you are hot, my sweet frustration now my hubby, with your fangs so very sharp, with your appendages so stubby. You are the best friend that I've met, my enemy so sweet and tender. I when I hear your awesome roar, it's like my heart's gone in the blender. Yes, you bewitch me with your ways, I feel I'm done, a real beginner. My lovely beast, he can be trusted, not to eat me for his dinner. I really hope our love can last, yet I can't predict our fate. But still for now, Cthulhu loves me until the day I'm used as bait. Oh, kitty, kitty, dilly, pur, pur, kitty, kitty. kitty. <laughs> oh, I love dilly. I'm a big fan of his poetry. Oh my god, is this show over with yet? (laughs) Hee hee, I'm flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. Oh, Paul, he's so sweet. (laughs) Six hundred and twenty-six. 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 Six hundred <laughs> and twenty-six. Six hundred and twenty-six. Six hundred and Wow. wow.